Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome back to the family of Behind the Still Curtain podcast. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. With me, as always, for the Homer and the Hater show is Lance Williams and the Yoda Cup as yes. we are celebrating a beautiful Sunday in the month of July. I hope everybody out there is doing well, doing safe, really happy. Lance Williams, how are you today, my friend? I'm feeling good because I have the force I'm drinking Yoda Joe, and so everything is a-okay. May the force be with all of you on this glorious Sunday. My favorite one that I have is a C3, C3PO cup, and it's because it's black and gold, and it's tall. It's a tall coffee mug, so uh, that's something that I have, but I've taken it down to the, uh, the, the pop culture Steeler basement. So that is down there now. Ah, well, if you if you can resurrect it, clean it up, you know, maybe when we do our Sunday shows, we can have we can be intertwined through the force with our force Joe mugs. <laughs> there you yeah. go. Um, Joe would have been a good Star Wars character, I guess. But uh, Joe was a great Pittsburgh Steeler character, as in Joe Green. So there you go. So let's get into it today, Lance. Uh, you know, the end of the week, lots of stuff going on in the NFL, in Steeler Nation. We hear stuff uh, here and there. We're hoping that camp is starting in just a few weeks. Uh, that's a possibility. You never know. Uh, things change every single day in the uh, in the landscape that is uh, COVID-19 in let's, let's, 2020. Let me ask you a question about that, about that bad. So I, I'm assuming if camp starts in two weeks, camp will just be at teams facilities i'm imagining they'll try to put those guys in a bubble at the facility so they can kind of get through camp i mean that that's my thought because it's hot in terms of a number of cases in a lot of areas and i would think that you know the nfl was pretty it's pretty good about not providing an advantage for one team over another so i would think that camp would be at your facility not anywhere else like i know it's not at latrobe um, but I would think all over the NFL would be on your own building and then they would try to maybe keep you and put you in the bubble, sort of like the NBA, to make sure you get through camp. And speaking of the bubble, that indoor facility that they have at camp, I'm sure that's air conditioned. I'm yeah, sure, yeah. I'm sure nothing but the best. Yeah, but you're right, uh, Lance. They definitely need to protect their players. And that's something they're going to, going to need to do. Um, lots of Lots of crazy stuff. As far as uh, as this is going on, and we're seeing it across the landscape of other sports too. I read yesterday, and this is an NHL matter, but this could very easily, you know, this could very easily be something that the NFL does as well. The NHL just said yesterday that they can teams can do not have to disclose or cannot disclose certain absences or illnesses or injuries to players so that's something that we might that's be seeing there there i mean i know we're in a hipaa world and as far as i'm concerned hipaa was completely violated um in the ezekiel elliott case because ezekiel elliott says that hipaa was violated um first and foremost so you know there's going to be so many things that look different in our world of NFL football and Steeler football. So it's interesting to see, but getting back to your point, yeah, they are going to make adjustments every step of the way and protection needs to be 
priority number one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some things are are odd. I, I know I saw some stuff about the Jersey Exchange will be canceled. Like some things are just kind of inconsistent. There seems to be um, some confusion. You know, no Jersey Exchange, but you can actually stand together for three hours, <laughs> but you can't exchange a jersey for like 30 seconds. I mean, it just, there seems to be some inconsistency there in terms of transmission. And I mean, it's it's just wild. I mean, I think we're going to be on a wild ride this entire season as fans, as podcasters, as writers. This is going to be ever changing. And I'll just say this, I won't be surprised at whatever I see this year. You know, well, I, well, well, let me take that back, Bad. Sorry to interrupt you. I'll be surprised at one thing. The Bungles win a world championship. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll be surprised if the Bungles win a Super Bowl. Now, if the Bungles win a Super Bowl, that's totally because of COVID-19. That's the only way that the Bungles could win a Super Bowl. I know I'm going to go down the rabbit hole on this, so I'm going to save this for a second. I want to make one comment, and then I'm going to throw in my surprise that uh, might happen just so I, I can get that out there. But I know the minute I say that, it's going to be a landslide. So w- getting back to uh, decisions that are being made, like the jersey swap and uh, what have you, there's a difference between boardroom decisions in this world, and you work in the corporate world, I work in the corporate world, and real world um, uh, ramifications. You know What is decided in a boardroom doesn't always work when you apply it to the actual field of, of play or field Hello. of business. <laughs> Hello. So, um, so what I'm saying there is, you know, what they come up with, like, hey, this is going to be a great idea. We'll do this. We'll do this. But when you try to apply it, eh, it doesn't. It doesn't work. Yeah, I think uh, we've learned that when you're not in the boardroom, your job is to make boardroom decisions work any way that you can because you're often right they don't always work then they change and they never forget and the people who are making decisions forget that they made the original decision and a lot of times they act like they didn't so it's 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 all weird again this is going to be a moving shifting target that fans are just going to have to be patient with now, I teased the other surprise, and that you said you'd be surprised if the Bungles win the Super Bowl. You're also going to be surprised when Ryan Switzer wins Super Bowl 55 MVP. Um, so I'm sure that'll be a huge shock, and I'm telling you what. And if that happens, I'm buying you a number 10 Switzer jersey, and you're going to wear that for a few shows. <laughs> I'll wear it forever. If they <laughs> win it, I'll wear the mask forever and the switcher jersey forever. But the interesting thing about everything that's going on is that because of the pandemic, I think players that have a knowledge of Ben Roethlisberger, particularly wide receivers that have a rapport with Ben Roethlisberger and have a rapport with the coaching staff, he's going to make the roster. It's going to be harder for unknowns to make the roster, given how they're going to have to be very creative in terms of how they prepare. So I think, you know, if, you, if, if you're if you a veteran 
and you have a rapport with the quarterback or you have a report to stay, you have a leg up. You're going to make the roster. Ryan Switzer is going to make the roster. A young player is probably not going to boot him off the roster because they may not get the reps necessary to get prepared in this whole different environment. So teams are going to look largely the same outside of free agent acquisitions and a couple of rookies. So if you were bad last year, you know, you're going to be bad you know, probably this year. And I love this comment from Stefan. Uh, Switzer MVP stats, three catches, five yards, three TDs, Super Bowl MVP. Doesn't that look like a Jerome Bettis? <laughs> yes, that I, that's what I was thinking, Jerome Bettis. Three carries, seven yards, seven carries, three yards, or six yards, three TDs. Do you remember once it was like uh, – it was like four carries. It was against the Raiders, like four carries, three TDs, one yard. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's his, that, that was that last year where he was the designated. Uh, but, you know, my favorite game, my favorite bussy game of all time was uh, the Erlacher game down the stretch. Uh, when he ran over Erlacher, Bussy was so hot down the stretch that year. I, I just love that year. I mean, just that. I mean, that was just a great year. Bussy's my guy. December 12th. And um, no, Bussy's my guy. 2005. Let me, give you a, let me give you a quick fact, just a personal fact. Every time I've worn my white 36 authentic Bussy jersey, they've never lost. Well, then, then just keep breaking it out in the right spots. That's what I do. I break it out in big games. That's, that's break it awesome. I, I don't break it out for the Patriots, though. Because uh, I don't, I don't want the streak to break. <laughs> you're afraid that that will taint. <laughs> yes, it'll taint the jersey, so I don't well, break it out. We just talked about a great Steeler running back, and you know the topic of the show today surrounds the Steelers running backs. And you know what? We can go back years and years and years. And you know, I like to go back when I talk about the Steelers, Lance, and I think you're pretty much the same way as I am. The modern era of the Pittsburgh Steelers pretty much started in 1969 when Chuck Knoll and Joe Green and guys like that made the team and started with this team. So that's the modern era. A lot of people call the modern era since the NFL merger, which is 1970. So I go back to 69 just because it's the first year of Knoll and Green, and that's when everything started. So when I'm looking at this, Lance, I'm looking at the fact that Pittsburgh Steeler running backs and the running game has been paramount to their success. And even though we are now in a passing league, this is more of a passing league more than it has been ever. The Pittsburgh Steelers are really more of a passing team than they've ever been. But you still need a good running game to be able to complement that passing game and to carry the team um, to run out the clock. And it doesn't seem the past couple of years that they've had that. But this year, before we get into the, the meat of the topic, how important is the running game to the Pittsburgh Steelers' success in 2020 now that Ben Roethlisberger is back? I think it's paramount. But before I get into my point, I want to hopefully you guys acknowledge us for the smooth segue. That segue <laughs> was possibly the smoothest ever. I mean, that was I mean, that was on some force Yoda type segue <laughs> stuff i i hope you guys caught it like i hope you guys are listening closely yeah that was that was 
that hey, that was Magic Johnson no look pass in the corner for the three to Jamal Wilkes. I mean, that was uh wow. I mean, that was that's how smooth that segue was. It was it was magnifique. It was magnifique bad. It was it was great. That's the running uh, game is I mean, the running game is paramount. I mean, it's paramount to their success. I mean, you have to be balanced. You have to be able to present both elements offensively to control teams, control tempo, and to effectively move the ball. Especially when you have, I don't care how experienced Ben Roethlisberger is, and he's a two-time Super Bowl champion. He's an eventual MV. He's, excuse me, an eventual Hall of Famer, maybe an eventual MVP. I think he's going to win Comeback Player of the Year this year. You need the running game. Running game is a foundation. Um, you can control clock with the passing game or the running game, but the running game, I think, is the foundation of an offense. I don't think it's the the thing that necessarily scores you points because I think you score points through the passing game. But it's the foundation, I think, at which you build the physical nature of your football team. If you can run the football and be physical, it sets the physical tone on your team. It demoralizes teams. It beats teams up. And when you can run the football, you can do anything offensively against the team. Just imagine if you can run the football effectively, right, after you spread a team out. Right. If you can run a football effective, let's say you go three wide receiver, four wide receiver, and you can run the ball effectively. You're getting five and six a chunk from running the football. Guess what the Steelers are going to do in that situation? Continue running the football. Guess what a defense will do if you can do that, spread a team out and run it, run it effectively. Guess what a team is going to do? Adjust to the running game. Because what teams don't like to do is give up, give it up in the running game because it's like, I mean, the running game, when you're giving it up in the running game, it's a personal thing. It's a macho thing. It's a machismo thing. It strikes to the heart of a team's physical nature and their machismo. Are they grown men? Are they strong football players? Whatever. It, 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 it strikes to your manhood of a football team. If they're pounding it down your throat every single carry. So what will a defense do? They will adjust. And what will an offense do? You, you you put more assets to stop the running game. You put a safety in the box. You drop them in the hole. You got eight-man fronts. So what do you do? Throw it over your head. When you're running a football well and you can get it in the running game, teams are going to adjust. And also that takes pressure off your quarterback, where your quarterback does not have to sling it 35, 40 times, make plays, and has to be perfect all the time. And Ben is going to need that support coming back He's going to need that running game because he it's going to take time for him to get his timing back and to trust his elbow in big spots. Practice is one thing. He's going to have to learn to trust his new body, trust what he sees, and get a feel and everything back. So the running game is paramount. I mean, if you can run the football well, play solid D, those are foundations, I believe, still for winning a championship. Although the passing game is still the most important thing in how you score points most effectively in the NFL. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. 
Yes, you know, I, I agree with everything that you said. For me, the running game is a place setter. It can also not just a place setter, but a pace setter as well. It's both of those things because what it does, like you said, it sets up the pass. When you're running, you're running, and then all of a sudden you got to stop that run and you throw it over their head. That's that's the bottom line to a nice balanced attack. But when you can control that clock, especially late in the game, and you don't give them a chance to find a hole in your defense, um, to uh, score, um, ha- you could be up 10 points. And this Steeler team in the last 10 years has not done this as well as other Steeler teams protect leads late in the game because it's more of a passing league. So if you're giving them less time and you are not making your defense win it, but you're winning it by pounding the ball and getting multiple first downs on those late drives, you're going to win almost every single time. And you're going to protect those leads, Lance. You know, running a football and pounding it on a team, when a team is getting pounded on, it would be the equivalent of somebody breaking in your house, slapping you in your face, going in your refrigerator, and eating the last piece of chicken that you saved. And then slapping you on the way out. <laughs> it's just, you know, he's just, you know, they're just taking everything from you. They they broke in your house. They beat you up. They ate your last piece of chicken and slapped you on the way out and said, I'll be back tomorrow. That's what the running game is. That's what the running game can do and demoralize you and pound you. They got to run the football. They have to run the football effectively. The last thing you want to depend on is a quarterback coming off of a season-ending injury to his arm, and you put everything on his back. Ben, I think early in the season, should play a complementary role to the running game. But, of course, it's who's running the football. How comfortable do you feel bad with the stable of running backs that the Steelers are putting out there. And that's exactly what we're here to talk about today. I am comfortable with the stable of running backs. I am not comfortable with the distribution of carries. And that has been a Mike Tomlin staple. And you know me, I am pretty much a Mike Tomlin. I don't want to call myself an apologist, but I will say that I am uh I am pretty much subscribed and I'm comfortable with a lot of Mike Tomlin's methods. One thing that was brought up to him earlier in the year and something that I've been talking about all along, he denied that they will go to a running back by committee. My question to you, Lance, is do you see more of a benefit, especially with James Conner, a fragile James Conner, and the only reason I'm saying fragile, just because of the injury history, but a fragile James Conner, you see the benefits of adding, having less duties for him, less carries and giving more guys responsibility. And do you feel comfortable in those other men handling those responsibilities? So that's my question to you. Benny, Benny, Benny. No chance. <laughs> you guys know I don't like Beanie Snell. I mean, you, you, I mean, you just got. You. I mean, look, the Baltimore game was great. 
okay, let me just take this back. You know, I do the song for Benny Snell, Elton John, one of my favorite songs, Benny and the Jets. It's a play on my lack of faith in Benny Snell, and I need to be more patient with the now second-year player. I also did a podcast years ago on Yeah, I Said It. And one of the podcasts was Yeah, I Said It, the Steelers should sign Kareem Hunt. Now, when I did that show, Steeler Nation was up in arms. You know, how, why would you sign someone who um, at that time allegedly put his hands on a woman, so on and so forth? And I, I said, yes, that, that makes sense from, from a moral perspective. And from an optics perspective, that doesn't look good. But I, but I fully recognize that when you're a fan of the NFL, there there's a little bit of there are some things you just you just roll with, right? The NFL does some things that are questionable, and one of the things that the NFL does that's questionable is they sign questionable people. I mean, that's just the way it is. You have to kind of settle with it, and it just depends on. How what level of criminality in a player are you willing to accept, so to speak? You know, because sometimes it'll happen. I say all that to say, I would run James Conner until the wheels fall off or fell off. I just don't trust Benny Snell, and I don't trust the backs beneath him either. Because I think James Conner, John Conner, aka the Terminator, I call him the Terminator. I think he's just, he's the class of that room. Unfortunately, he gets hurt. So I think they're going to run the wheels till the wheels come off. It's just the other guys have to prove that they're good enough to take the ball out of Connor's hands. I'm not just going to give you the rock. You're going to have to take the rock from me if I'm Mike Tomlin. You're going to have to take the rock. You're going to have to earn the rock. You're going to have to earn those carries. Now, I think there's a situation where Beanie Snell could be very effective, and it could be in the situation we talked earlier when you're trying to pound out a football team. I think it can be effective there, short yardage. When you're trying to get those tough yards and you're trying to really pound out a team, maybe you can incorporate him in those snaps. But particularly with Ben Roethlisberger coming back, and pass protection being so paramount, I need a veteran back who can pick up blitzes because they're going to heat Ben up. They're going to try to make Ben play fast, I think, early in the season to see how he deals with it. So I need a back that can catch the ball out of the backfield and, more importantly, pass protect. So I need to go with the veteran and Connor because Ben is comfortable with Connor. Connor is comfortable in pass protection, catching the ball out of the backfield, and so on and so forth. So I think early they're still going to pound the rock with James Connor, but I think it's up to the guys after him or below him or underneath him on the depth chart to go earn the rock and take the rock and prove to Tomlin that they're ready to handle that load. You know what? I uh, I respect your opinion, and I'll respectfully disagree with some parts of your opinion. And here's why. Because I'm looking at stats last season, and they're very comparable. You know, James Conner had 4.0 yards per carry. He had four touchdowns on the ground and 464 yards rushing. And that was with 116 attempts. Benny Snow Jr. had eight less attempts, 108. 
he had 426 yards. So as far as attempts and yards, they were pretty close. He had two touchdowns, so he had two less TDs, and he averaged 3.9 yards per carry. So I don't have uh, I don't have uh, ball handling stats as far as uh, ball security stats um, up right now, but as far as that goes, both of these running backs for the majority of the time that they played Lance, they were having the line stacked against them, the eight men in a box basically. They were they were still averaging three point nine or four yards per carry, and I thought they were pretty comparable. So the reason I'm going more with a running back by committee, when I say running back by committee, I still want James Conner to run the majority of the time. I'm fine with James Conner running 65% of the time and giving 35% of the load to Benny Snell, Kareth White, Jalen Samuels, Anthony McFarland, whoever is there. My, my problem with the, uh, the lack with running the with Tomlin's approach of running the wheels off of a running back is you run it till it's dead, and then you're like, All right, next man up, hope this guy can do it. Instead of hoping that they can do it, my my plan would be you know, give them a series or two more where they're in there, not just spelling them. So you give James a little more time to uh refresh. And you also have these guys in there getting valuable yards, getting valuable playing time, and seeing what they can do when it's time to carry the ball. We have seen this movie in the past, Lance. We saw this with Le'Veon Bell. They ran the wheels off of Le'Veon Bell. He was a special talent, and he was able to do it. But when you have to pull Ben Tate off of uh, the waiver wire with three get three days before a playoff game, it doesn't work well. It does not work. You had in that time a fantastic backup running back named D'Angelo Williams, who was a veteran who would have carried would have carried the load. Okay, he would if D'Angelo Williams does not get hurt, Lance. They probably go to the Super Bowl or definitely the AFC Championship game in 2015. But they were running the wheels off of him in a game at the very end of the season. Sure, they needed to win it, but he got hurt in that Cleveland game at the end of 2015, but he was the sole ball carrier. They were not giving any of his backups any time in there to go ahead and get some playing time. And if one of those guys is in there, maybe one of those hits doesn't take D'Angelo Williams out of the game. Next thing you know, you have... um, Gosh, I, I'm sorry, Fitz Toussaint and, and Jordan Todman, who did a great job in the first wild card game. But the second game, Fitz had a crucial fumble late in the game. Yeah. Yeah. D'Angelo might not be doing that. So, as far as I'm concerned, I want running backs to get more time behind James Conner. I want James Conner to be the guy 65 to 70% of the time. But I want them to have some help. I want there to be, to be a backup plan with the backups. Let's break it down. Let's break it down. Bad and Kathy Farid said, I like Bad's analysis. If for nothing else, it's more humane. Bugs me to hear terms like run the wheels off without regards to players' longevity. Yes. And 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 I, and I love that point. And, and the unfortunate thing, Kathy, is that 
teams don't really care about players' longevity. It, it's just they do to a certain perspective. I don't want to be like just say it like that. Teams are just more concerned with winning and the now. If your longevity as a player mixes into that, then it does. If it doesn't, that's why there's terms called next man up because everyone's job is on the line. Everyone has pressure. Coaches are jobs are on the line. Players. So it's 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 an all in mentality. So let's break it down this way. So let me give you an average of snaps. I'll say the average snaps in the game are around sixty five. Let's say just just let's just say sixty for easy math. Of the sixty, uh, what is it? Sixty five percent would be what thirty five throws. 60% is like, what, about 35 throws? Mm. Let's just say, I don't know, we got a mathematician yeah, out Yeah, there. about 36. Okay. So let's say 35 snaps. Throws. Yeah. So 65, so you got 65 snaps, right? You're going to throw it. Um, I want to go 65. What would be 65% of 60 for, for this example? You know, I think you were, I mean, in my head, I, I'm thinking you're right on with about 36 without bringing up the cal- calculator, 35, 36, because, you know, th- 32 and a half is 50%. So right. let, let's say about 36. So let's say 36 throws. So you got 65 snaps. You're going to throw it 35 times, right? You got 30 more snaps, right? You got 30 more snaps. Presumably that that's going to be, that's not going to be reverses that we count as runs. So with the 30 snaps, give me your distribution of those running snaps uh, between the running backs. What would be your ideal distribution in a 65 snap offensive game? If we have 30 snaps for the running backs, well, let's 70, 75% is going to be 2010. And when, before I put that number out there, I was thinking about 17 and 18 for Connor and 12 for the rest of the uh, rest of the group with maybe about seven to eight for Benny Snell and four for McFarland. Let's, so say, let's McFarland say 18 is third back. So you're saying 30, 18, that leaves 12 snaps. Yeah. So 18, eight and four. Okay. So 18, eight, and four, so eighteen, Connor, and I need to bring up my spreadsheet, but I, I, I think that is probably where uh, the distribution probably is already uh, when you when you're looking at snaps. I think that's probably where it is because if you go eighteen for Connor, right, that's going to be runs. He's probably going to get more touches because he's going to get some in the passing game, right? So some of that thirty-five is going to be passes. These are just eighteen runs. If you go eight and four, how about this? You give all four of McFarland's to Benny Snell, and those are short yardage red zone snaps. So if you gave 12 snaps to Benny Snell, are those on first and second down? Are they just really situational? Are they like red zone snaps? Are they short yardage snaps? Are they the same type of snaps? that Connor would get first, second down, first, second, and third down snaps? Are they the same or are they really situational? You know, I'm thinking for this exercise, I'm thinking that they're not situational. They are a full series. Okay. And the reason I'm thinking that is you have uh, 
And I keep going back to the San Francisco situation where last year you saw, especially in week three, how uh, that running game shredded the Steelers. You have three guys that you had a three headed monster there that I don't know what the distribution of carries were. I probably should know, but you had Brita, you had Tevin Campbell, sorry, Tevin Coleman. I go back to the nineties hip hop with Tevin Coleman, uh, <laughs> Tevin Campbell. So Tevin Coleman and then um, Raheem yeah, Mostert, who is uh, once a trade. So, you know, I'm looking at those guys and they made it work there. In this situation, like I said, I still want James Conner to be your feature back. However, I want him to be featured just a tad bit less and let a uh, supporting actor um, get some valuable screen time. And that's Benny Snell. So I am perfectly fine with Benny Snell getting a, uh, a full series here and there, maybe three full series if it's possible. And that could be his 12 carries. Okay. Okay. And so if the Steelers are hot, obviously, and they convert third downs, so on and so forth, that, that, that's where the distribution can flip a little bit and he eats into those 18. So they convert a couple of third downs. He gets more carries and his total carries goes up a little bit just because they're moving the football. That works for you as well. That, that works for me there. I think, you know, again, I, I think the critical thing about him getting on the field will be what he can do in pass pro. I mean, that that's you hear it over and over. When, when teams talk about running backs, um, that it's critical that they pass protect very well. And, and I think with Ben Roethlisberger coming back off of an injury, you know, that that that's going to be vital um, that they be able to do that. Now, I'm looking at 2018 stats. So I because typically what I do, listeners, is I do a, a little spreadsheet for myself. And I compile a bunch of statistics. So I'm looking at the 2018 stats. And it's it's ironic, Bad, that you're, you're right around the number. What do you think in terms of touches per game that James Conner averaged in 2018? Now, I touches would... can be runs and passes. So you're catching the ball, you're running the ball. I, I counted those both as touches, and I separated it out from carries. I would probably say that if he was averaging 15 to 18 carries or maybe he was averaging 20 carries a game, I would probably, and this is a guess because I'm not looking at anything, I would probably throw about six passes his way um, as far as probably what happened around that time if we're looking at 2018. So maybe about 26 touches a game. So he averaged 23 touches a game, 22.4. Okay. And he averaged 13 and a half carries a game. <laughs> which is <laughs> which is amazing. So in that season, his best season 2018, he only ran the football 215 times. And it was a very pass happy so, year. And and so that year he never carried the ball. The most he carried the ball was in the first game of the season where he got 31 carries against the Browns. He followed that up with carries of eight, 15 and nine. And then he had a stretch where he had 21 carries, 19 carries, 24, 24. 
and that was against the Falcons, Bengals, Browns, and Ravens. So after that first game, he never carried it more than 25 times per game. So that 18 we're we're talking about, if the offense looks anything like 2018, it, there's room there for, for more carries. So for him to get 18 carries a game, they would have to pass it a lot less. And that might be the, what is it, the 900-pound gorilla in the room? Are they going to run it enough for these guys to get the touches, for the running game to just get the touches? You know, will the running game actually get 30 touches in, in running? Will they actually run it 30 times a game? And that's you know? that's your big million-dollar question because – as far as I'm concerned, it's great to have Ben Roethlisberger back, but you got to realize the team as a whole, everybody is a weapon. Everybody's a piece of the puzzle and what's good for W's. That's what they need to decide. Um, put, e you know, like Quincy Jones used to say, check your ego at the door and, you know, get in and do what is best for the team and to be in that winning column. Because next year, especially, the first four games are very critical, and that's where it's going to come into play. They need to have, uh, to wrap everything up, Lance, they need to have a potent running game, but I just want to see a little more distribution. You might, they might fight it at first, but... If you look at the uh, big picture from up in the sky, if you hop on that Goodyear blimp from way back in 1982 and you look down and you see what's going to be best for this team, it might be a little less James Conner gets you a whole lot more James Conner. So yeah, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. So maybe the moral of the story is it's maybe not the guy. It's the running game in general. Are the Steelers going to trust the running game overall to be productive and not put everything on Ben Roethlisberger's shoulders? Because when you look at, because when you look at the 2018 numbers, I mean, he ran it 215 times for 973 yards, James Conner. He averaged four and a half yards per carry. That would say, why didn't he get more carries? Now, he got nicked up a little bit that year. But, you know, you can't have a game and when you get nine carries for 25 yards against the Jags that he did. So the the, the thing is, are they going to trust the running game to be an effective complement to Ben Roethlisberger? And, you know, we'll have to just wait and see. I know what my spider sense or my resonance with the force through my midi calorians are telling me is, you know, you know what Tomlin and Ben you know, Ben going to do what Ben's going to do. I didn't fix my elbow to hand the ball off. So the question is, are they going to even trust in the running game to let Connor and us even have an argument about this distribution? But I think the number, I, I think, honestly, we probably could have, I think we're being a little generous with 30 cares. It's probably 25. I'll agree with that. You know, it's probably 25 carries before the math 30 is easier because I math challenged without a calculator. So, you know, what are they going to do with the running game? Are they going to allow the running game to be more of a compliment in this offense with Ben Roethlisberger back? So it's going to be interesting. 
It definitely is. And there's plenty of talent on that side of the ball as far as I'm concerned. Not just James Conner and Benny Snell, who we talked about most. You still have the possibility of Jalen Samuels, Kareth White, Anthony McFarland Jr. And who knows what uh, who else works their way into that 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 running back stable. But it's going to be a lot of fun deciding. So as we uh, get ready to say goodbye to uh, all of you out there in BTSC land, we really appreciate all of you. Thanks for checking in with us today on your Sunday when uh, this is first being aired. And remember to keep on checking us out. If you're driving in the car, <coughs> excuse me, you can't watch this. So what do you do? You download the podcast on any of our any of those uh, streaming sites that are out there. BTSC Radio is everywhere on the streaming sites. Go ahead and check it out on YouTube as much as well. But once again, we can't do these shows without you, so we appreciate you. Lance, you want to take us home? Yeah, but look, before we do that, let me ask one question. One question, because I think this is a good question. Let, let's jump into this one. It's not the bionic Big Ben. The comments are flying in. Let me let me jump into Andrew Wilbar's question. Answer this, answer this bad, and then I'll take us out. Does Samuels have a place on this roster? He possibly does, and that's and you said at the beginning of the show, Lance, that uh, veterans are going to have more of an opportunity to uh, to get a spot. If I'm looking at this right now, Kareth White might be the odd man out, and that's that would be a shame as well because he has talent. You're not going to get rid of Anthony McFarland Jr., a uh, a fourth round pick. You're going to give him time to see what he can do. So that that other job is probably between Jalen Samuels and Kareth White, and I think Jalen Samuels probably earns his way on the roster um, before White does, but. I I love the explosiveness of Kareth White as well. You see Ezra Nehemiah's comments. That makes sense to you. Connor, 1,361 yards. McFarland, 473. White, 238. Switzer, minus seven yards. <laughs> what do you think about that stat line? Is that stat line realistic? I think it's a little high on the Connor end. Um, I would... Uh, I'm thinking uh, Connor might uh, just pass the century mark, maybe... 1091, something like that. Uh, Kareth White, I can't see him getting as much. Um, where was where was Snell on there? Was there no Snell? Yeah, he didn't have Snell. He didn't have Snell on there. I thought so, that was interesting. Yeah, yeah I'm a, no Snell. Yeah, I think uh, I really think Snell has a place on this team, and uh, we need to be a little more patient with uh, Benny Snell Jr. I think uh, what I saw with his 3.9 yards per carry and what he did in games against the Los Angeles Chargers and the Cleveland Browns, he really, he really could make his mark. So um, that's that's a nice debate. So I can't wait to see number twenty four on the field as well and see what happens with these other players. But we're going to get a chance to see a talented runner not make the roster, and I think there's uh, some talent on there. If you're talking. Um, the best running backs of all of these. I think Jalen Samuels is not the best of all of those guys, but as a receiver, he does so much more. So that's what they've got to weigh out. And remember those personnel guys, Mike Tomlin and the coaches, they know so much more than I do. So they're going to let it, let it shake out. But the only thing that I know that I want to see is more of a balance of that running game. And that was the crux of the whole show. 
Yeah, I think Kareth White will be the odd man out just because he was not drafted uh, by the team. You know, I always go performance pay pedigree at the three P's in terms of trying to evaluate a roster and who's going to stay or not. If you, if you put if you put time into assessing a guy and coaching a guy for several years, especially if a guy's on his first contract, you're going to keep that drafted player. You'll probably let that player play out of his play out his rookie deal. And then he won't be on your team again. If you can't make it through a rookie deal as an NFL player, you're a really bad player. Um, and they really got it wrong. And I think Jalen Samuels has shown flashes enough. We all remember how well he played against the Patriots a couple years ago in the Joe Hayden interception game. So he has some good tape. He has some good film uh, on tape. So I think he'll be the guy that stays. But great show, bad. And I'm going to take us out. Thank you guys for checking out the program. Let's make sure the nation keeps the nation safe. I should have had my, uh, I have a Steelers mask. I should have showed you guys what it looked like so you know, i saw it the other day it was true you know ha- have fun with it man you know i don't want to wear, wear a mask it's hot it's like 95 degrees it's irritating it's hot man but just have fun with it i got masks for my teams lakers steelers i got one for cal so i just make it fun man i just change them up try to make them match with my outfit or whatever that i'm wearing i just try to make it fun man it's just what it is at this time so make sure the nation keeps the nation safe and as always tune in tell a friend and subscribe